Greetings. It's what? It's episode 75. Oh, do we get a prize? Um, More Batman? What a great prize. And it's incredible because um, it's quite fortuitous, or maybe it's just a complete coincidence, that tonight we'll be recording episode 150 ah. of the DC Comics News Podcast, too. It'll be an interesting uh, behind-the-scenes sort of puzzle for you to listen to behind the scenes, dear listeners, to try and figure out, oh, when are they recording this far in advance? But yes, if you can figure it out, that'll be a worthwhile thing. But yes, many momentous moments of podcasty goodness here in DC land, indeed. Yes, indeed, including tonight. So this is episode 16 of season two of Batman the Anacy series. It's Harley's Holiday, written by Paul Dini. Well, of course, it's a Harley Quinn story and directed wonderfully by Kevin Altieri. Adam. Hello. I know you have thoughts about this episode. This one was a lot of fun, and it was, a, again, a very Batman-light episode, but still a very strong character portrait into a creation of the show that we've sort of seen grow and evolve and change and someone we've become really in love with. I think the fascination with Harley Quinn, especially in, like, current outside of Batman and comics media, wouldn't be so strong if she didn't have the great foundation that this show gave her. And this is another piece of that. And I'm very glad to have seen it done so well here in this episode. Oh, completely. And and what I love about this particular episode, it seems to be the closing off of a trilogy of three villains trying to get rehabilitated or follow the path of goodness. Obviously, Riddler failed himself. Um, Two-Face was defeated by the other side of Two-Face. But Harley of the three was the one who genuinely wanted to change but was failed by society in the fact that um well she just couldn't seem to cut a break could she bless her poor thing poor thing she uh she really struggled she felt a lot of uncertainty going back into society she wasn't exactly sure how a lot of things worked and one thing led to another led to another led to a sort of domino effect of chaos and destruction throughout through no fault of her own of course but it led to her becoming undone a little bit, but not losing any hope, as it were. She still has a shot of becoming a normal-ish person in the real world. Absolutely. And right from the get-go, I mean, this episode is, like you said, full of amazing character moments, not just with Carter Harley. Um, obviously, we start off in Arkham Asylum, where she's been given a clean bill of health, and obviously... Just her reaction to that is so vintage Harley. Yep. Jumping for joy, yippee, woohoo. But then straightening up because, okay, that's not an exactly the same thing to do. But the Doctor is uh, very supportive and very understanding. And yeah, we actually really believe that she has a shot of being rehabilitated. And once again, we see his Batman, the caring sort of supporter, saying, yes, for your sake, I really hope that you are on the on the road to recovery. Yeah, and it's, it's great as well because... We've seen now three different reactions from Batman as well. With Riddler, he didn't believe for a second. With Harvey, he didn't believe, but he really wanted to. But with Har with um, Harley, I honestly thought, yes, this girl has a chance. I think it's because ultimately he recognised where she came from. She was mm -hmm. a genius-level intellect who got swept up in the Joker's chaos and was sort of enamoured with him and just left behind in that path of destruction she never really chose that life like the other two did she never went through anything quite as bad as what harvey did so she doesn't deserve that and hopefully this is the shot of her actually getting out and leading a normal life so he has hope that she can rehabilitate absolutely 
And obviously, speaking of villains with no hope, I mean, wonderful scene right at the beginning of the episode when she's given her a bill of health. We hear raised voices shouting, ranting, and raving from the corridors as Batman and Robin bring in Jonathan Crane, the Scarecrow. And it's, it's just wonderful Paul Dinney writing where he's going bananas at the Cape Crusader and the Boy Wonder. But Harley says hello and he says, Hello, dear child. And he's so polite and so lovely to her. And then just carries on his rant. It's great. Yeah, I think there's a, there's honour amongst thieves or there's honour amongst crazies. I think they recognise, oh, we've both been in Narkham. We've both dealt with Batman. There's there's respect there. There may not be agreement and there may be differences in how they do things, but there's still like a camaraderie there, I think, that he chooses to uh, chooses to respect. I was much more interested in the fact that he was shouting out his belief in being the god of fear stuff. And as mm. I remember that one run of stories That's where he right, was yes. trying to ascend to become a godlike entity or perhaps get a yellow lantern ring or something. But um, yeah, that was a nice callback to another strong Sierra moment, even though he was in it for that one few seconds or so. Yeah, totally. Even do you not think as well though that it might be the fact that it's quite ironic that with everyone except possibly Joker, that everyone kind of loves Harley. I think that's something quite lovable about her. She's bright and bubbly. She's a lot of fun. She's a lot of energy. That kind of personality brings people up. Obviously, her own destructive nature means that it can be bad for people who aren't like that. But yeah, I think there's something quite lovable about her. I mean, she's one of my all-time favourite characters. I know there's um, a very Marmite relationship between her and comic audiences. You either love her or hate her. I'm firmly in the Love Harley camp. But this episode gives us many reasons why we should. I mean, the fact she's given the cleaner bill of health and she says that she's going to prove she's just the same as anybody. And the next thing we see is her on roller skates going down Broadway and mm. um, being led by Bud and Lou, her hyenas. And obviously, the crowd's going nuts, walking away, trying to escape, and all she can say is, oh, maybe it's her Yeah, she feels, <laughs> bit, she feels a little bit out of touch and out of connection and uh, might be a little, uh, I would say, underdressed, but I think she looked great. Mm -hmm. Of course, we know that the reaction was people seeing her yeah. with wild animals. But from what I can gather, there is a loophole in uh, New York law that says you can keep hyenas as pets. My lord, that's terrifying. There, like, I, I think it might have been addressed ever since Brian David Gilbert put it out on the uh, video of how to calculate the HP of your pets. Mm -hmm. per, there, as far as I know, there is a loophole in uh, New York. I think it's like tenancy laws where you can keep a hyena as a pet. So she's, so she's just freaking people out with her questionably legal pets. Wonderful, and that makes this whole Harley thing even funnier because obviously in. The Birds of Prey movie, she's got a hyena in her apartment named after that hunky Wayne guy. <laughs> after the hunky Wayne guy, yeah. But she even has that same reaction to um, when she sees him in this episode. It's just yeah. like, that's a nice chin. I recognise that chin. <laughs> and of course, the hyenas recognise him because they oh, smell yes. him and he smells the same. But of course, she doesn't quite put it, put it together because the, the quality of the disguise and the persona is so good. But, yeah, there's a little bit of potential recognition there, and it would have been very interesting to see how Bruce Wayne would have reacted in the moment. I think, again, very well observed, but do you not think it's also a brilliant piece of writing that 
we go from her saying, oh, maybe it's my outfit, to seeing Bruce in the shop with Veronica Reeland trying outfits and him being just as uncomfortable in the outfit he's being forced to wear. The two of them facing each other, the wonderful moment, obviously, of course, the hyenas attack him. We know why yeah. she doesn't. But then she literally puts her hand over, over his eyes well. because you know, we think, for a yeah, second, she, she might she might damn. figure it out. Yeah, I think I was convinced Brilliant. that she would. I was convinced she would. And there's been moments where like she knew who he was in comics of being it, I think. A bit. I think she's figured a it lot out. smarter than anyone's ever given her credit for. Yeah. And like with her psychological analysis, she would be able to look at the bone structure and then think of what Bruce Wayne's been through because um the loss of his parents is public knowledge. Mm-hmm. She'd be able to figure that out, but there's never been an opportunity for her to sort of talk about that openly, which is okay. So, yeah, there could have been a moment of her, like, understanding it. For all we know, she probably could have, but just chose to, like, keep it quiet. I agree. And particularly after the way this episode ends, that maybe she again feels that whole kindred spirit thing, because we get it again from her and from Batman about having one bad day, which is yeah. the Joker's entire raison d'etre, the, the whole thing that fuels his mania, that one bad day thing. So I honestly do believe that, well, it's common knowledge. Joker's known Batman's Batman for years, but they want to keep that knowledge to themselves because only they have the right to win Batman when they feel it's it's time. Yeah, But um, Harley's just a much gentler, kinder soul, and maybe she just thinks, well, actually... Batman's always kind of looked out for me. And that's honestly incredibly noble. I know that any of the many names in Arkham Asylum would like floor and scrabble and be desperate for that kind of information, but she's choosing to keep that inside because she saw the lengths that Batman would eventually go to for her in this episode and episodes before. So honor and nobility in the crazy clown lady. It's great. I mean, do you think as well, though, I mean, I have to say that I'm really glad Bruce was in the department store when he was, because it would have turned out very much differently afterwards, because there's a fantastic moment, which we talked about when watching it. Um, Again, the direction and the animation was just stellar, where Bruce was uncomfortable being there with Veronica Reeland. You could feel that from the beginning. And the fact that she guessed... Alfred dressed him and the way he blushes and then a beautiful moment where Veronica's leading him out of the shop by by the hand and dragging him out and he looks at Harley and he can see that she's really trying and there's a sense of real pride there and then a sense of real disappointment that he's been dragged out by Veronica when he actually feels like to me at least that he wants to stay and talk to Harley it's hard pressed to say that these animated characters are putting on real performances but they actually are yeah of course you don't have to uh, animate an actor acting part. You have to just animate sincere, real mm. expressions and um, mannerisms, but that still adds up to really clear and well-communicated um, shows of emotion that yeah. we get from these characters, and that's just another great example of it. I feel that, yes, Bruce Wayne wants to like continue talking to Harley, probably as like a sub-Batman sort of role of just like checking what her mental state's like checking to see what she's up to so that she doesn't want to like relapse or do anything crazy or destructive but still a case of yes i would like to be here to talk to this interesting person that i know much better than veronica Vreeland, and who Mm, knows me much better than veronica Vreeland, even though she doesn't realize it and ultimately he just wants to 
have that time because there's that understanding there. And I don't think anyone wants to be called out on their fashion sense, particularly when <laughs> we know Bruce Wayne to be only wearing that one brown suit all the time. So it was weird seeing him in other clothes. Because uh, obviously Alfred picked that one brown suit uh, uh, 25 yeah. times and filled his wardrobe with it. I mean, to be perfectly honest, like, and I have half a mind to go to certain shops to get like the same pair of like six or seven jeans and seven, six or seven different hoods just to make sure that they all have the similar one, but they're circling around. But then again, that also sounds kind of bizarre and like OCD mm, almost. Well, if it worked fine for Alfred Einstein and Bruce Banner, um, he had a wardrobe full of purple suits, hence the Hulk always having purple trousers to rip, and that's actually comics canon. Okay, but then, yeah. It's a personal statement, and I can imagine... Like, you don't the, have to pick what to wear, do you? You just pick exactly. the next one on the rack. Yeah, and I can imagine a very large walk-in wardrobe in Wayne Manor with just the same brown suit over and over again. Thanks, Alfred. Thank you, Alfred. <laughs> But um, would you then agree, though, that Bruce stroke Batman was there behind Harley at her back from the from the beginning? Yeah, I would say so completely from the moment in uh, Arkham, because even though he was there shipping the scarecrow off to his next cell to just sort of uh, shout at the clouds as a as a crazy person would. He was still aware of everything else that was going on inside inside the asylum. Just he knew that. Harley was going to get out at that time, yeah. and he knew that Poison Ivy was across from that doctor's office, and he knows everything about all of the people that are in there. So the fact that he saw her there meant like, ah, oh, okay, there must be an in for the referral because she's getting out and watching you, but meant that he's watching her yes. because such a high-profile figure, she could, she would have a lot of attention on mm -hmm. her. So mm -hmm. he wanted to make sure that she actually did commit to this role of being better. Yeah, couldn't agree more, and. What also impresses me, particularly with season two of this series, is you've said it, we've seen Harley progress and grow. But do you not feel also the fact that we see Boxy Bennett again, the gangster who was in the last Harley episode? I mean, I'm hoping that these two become kind of like foils for each other and, and he does make further appearances in other Harley episodes. Again, brilliantly played. And we also see Veronica Vreeland, played by one of my favourite TV actresses of all time, Mary Lou Hanna, we also get, again, a brilliant character animation, brilliant character acting by the artist of this series where she does realise and she looks at Harley and thinks, well, actually, this girl isn't bad. This mm. girl isn't evil. She does care and she's just having a bad day. And I actually sense a bit of kinship and friendship start to develop with those two in, in the space of a couple of minutes of animation. But it still somehow feels sincere. It doesn't yeah. feel forced or real. Uh, the thing is because of the realisation of all of the lengths that... Harley was going to go to just to make sure that she was uh, she was actually safe in the face of the bad guys. She had no real reason to do, but she was still committing to trying to turn over a new leaf and be a better person, even in the face of all of the things that had gone wrong with her over the course of that day. She was committed to it and wanted to stand by it, and that impressed Veronica, because how could it not? So, yeah, that uh, growing care and respect sort of bubbled up and was hard to say no to so it makes sense but it's still something that we had to earn through the course of the episode which is just like amazing like structure and writing really yeah absolutely and, and great animation and character acting from the artists too and it was so lovely to see batman and robin side by side fighting gangsters and hoodlums it's great but again i will state that harley would be an incredible crime fighter because she more than held her own her fighting style is unique and as wacky and as women's of colour as she is. 
And she really did protect Veronica against those bad guys. Which is something that was not expected and something she'd never really would have done before. But she's so committed to trying to be a better person that it really showed in this instance. Yeah. And it worked to her service to try and protect this newfound friend and still try to get out and clear her name as best as she possibly could. I mean, let, let's be fair here. In terms of what Harley actually did that was her own fault, was literally just getting riled up in the department store, mm -hmm. defending herself against the security guard by ripping the arm off the mannequin, and then don't and mess with me, I'm armed. armed against Britain, oh, yeah. that was just pure yeah. dad joke magic. Yeah. And uh, not to mention multiple instances of like big property damage, like breaking windows. But that was at the end when, no, 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 yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah, the, window, the, that's the window and the mannequins, and which yeah. then led to um, Harvey Bullock's car. Yeah. But then, after Harvey Bullock's car, let's be fair here, mm -hmm. both Bullock and General Reed and Veronica's dad were responsible for far more property and collateral damage over the course of this episode than Harley ever was. And I think both of them were both arguably even nuttier and crazier and a bigger menace to Gotham than Harley ever was in this episode because of, of, of what they do. I mean, tanks? Yeah, that's a um, military excessive force, I would yeah. say. It's like firing live ammunition from, like... A tank. Yep. At a, a thankfully quite quiet uh, freeway bridge, uh, then going down a hillside and rolling over cars mm -hmm. into causing like a three way pile up between himself, Harvey Bullock's car, and um, Foxy in that fish truck. Uh, yeah. I think another thing that we had to all, again, being fair, the, uh, the neon lights right at the end was still Harley when she was admitting to. All right, things are really stacked against me. Grenades. <laughs> but, yeah, there's just as much there that was not on her as it was was yeah. on her. And the fact that Veronica drops the charges and Batman speaks up for her. Plus the fact, and we have to bring this character up, I honestly see Dr. Joan Leland as after possibly Dr. Leslie Tompkins, one of the real forces for good and one of the real doctors in Arkham Asylum who's not a wacko in disguise lunatic or every bit as insane as the person they're treating. I actually feel Joan Leland is there for her patients. Yeah, which is a very nice thing to see and a very rare thing to see in the Batman universe and in the genre as a whole. Um, Very well-rounded, sort of caring actual doctor which is a nice refreshing take you usually expect a twist with this but no she actually just does care and wants people to get better and clearly the actress made an impression so i don't know if you know this that this actress uh suzanne stone who's again as with every guest artist on this show a, a very seasoned stage and screen actor but this this lady's more known for the voice work but even live action father of the bride with steve martin uh the first season of sanford and son legendary comedy series in the states but she does make two more appearances oh, wow. as dr joan leland in further episodes of batman the animated series oh wow the positive um well-meaning lady doctor doctor mm. trying to help the yeah un mentally unwell recovering arc that's a lovely thing to see and i'm excited to see her again absolutely now we have to talk about little things that 
may have stood out this episode as we always do good bad or ugly i mean mine's an extremely silly one so i'm gonna let you be the sensible half of our dynamic duo in this episode what was your main takeaways from harley's holiday I, as as much as you would like me to be the sensible one, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't think Harley Quinn would ever really forgive me for that. So I thought there was something that was just so quintessentially square-jawed ser- ser- superhero heroic in this episode that when put in, co- in the context of the scene that it's in, seems really silly. Mm. Batman and Robin are in the Batmobile and they're tracking Har- Harley Quinn in, through the tracker on Bruce Wayne's old car. and um, Robin goes, oh, look, she must be right here. And then she speeds past being chased by Bullock. So they're in a high-speed pursuit. They find their suspect, but Batman still only drives and puts the turbo on when the green light shows at the traffic right? At the Do you traffic know light? what? I didn't even notice that, but that's brilliant. He w- that's amazing. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a few, like, traffic laws <laughs> Batman has to break to do Batman things. Oh, there just has fantastic. to be not not discounting Chris Nolan Batman oh, Begins wow. level like property damage. There has to be some traffic laws that Batman has to break to just do what he does. He has to run red lights. He has to like man the curb. He has to do a few things here and there. But in this one instance, when he sees a high speed pursuit of That's a amazing. person he's tracking in front of him, he still waits for a green light. Sure, he goes from like zero to oh, sixty because he puts the turbo on. But he still waits for the green light. I just thought that was really funny to me. I can't believe I didn't spot that. That's genius. Thank you for that. It's really put a smile on my face. The one for me, I'm sorry, it is still sillier because that's actually clever. Yeah, I'm okay. silly but clever. Um, is I cannot get over the fact that the gangster, the villain, the hoodlum, Boxy Penny, goes around with love heart boxer shorts. I feel like that's such a classic trope, though, isn't it? That's so funny. I can't go over that. And you see them because Bud and Lou rip his clothes to shreds. And But honestly, he was a figure of fear. He was a scary yeah. hoodlum before that. But I don't think I'll ever be able to take the character seriously again after that. I think it's just a classic done thing of just like the really embarrassing underwear oh. under someone when they get them sort of ripped up. That's- I feel like that's a done thing that I'm glad that they can play into that trope consistently. It was a wonderful surprise. So loved it. Really, really did. But I have to say that any episode written by Paul Dini starring Harley and the wonderful, incomparable, I mean, again, no offence to all the great, great talents that have played Harley since, but Arlene Sorkin is the foundation that every other Harley has come from and again with every appearance growth development even her voice is less squeaky I mean still instantly recognizable as Harley but I can see and feel Harleen Quinzel starting to emerge from Harley Quinn and it's brilliant yeah the there are many factors because Batman the animated series created this character yeah but she's gone on to the lead in her own run of comics multiple times over the decades. Yeah. Um, she's given rise to like multiple some of the actual big successes in DC's uh live action movies with mm-hmm. um Margaret yep. Robbie's excellent performance. And of course she's all been considered in part of Suicide Squad lineups for as long as that yeah. super team's been around. But I don't think any of it would be quite successful oh, if it wasn't handled with as much care and attention from the writing team and the performance by Arlene Sorkin. So all of these things come together to 
be the lasting legacy that this show has had. Yep. The Harley Quinn is the thing that this show created, but has stood the test of time and become a huge part of comics today. Yeah. Well, let's be fair here. After Batman, Superman, the Justice League, and Static, the only other major DC Comics characters to have their own animated series is... Yeah, Harley Quinn. And what a series. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of fun, so irreverent, so just in your face like that. Like, the the grown-up cartoon sort of genre is something I'm... Fairly familiar with it, like it's not. It's not a new thing. We've had stuff oh, like man. South Park and King in the Hill way back when. Oh yeah, and Family Guy, and yeah, Family Guy's a little bit lighter, but still. But then again, this is the other extreme where it's just like very much in your face and showing the dark side of things. And any excuse for Alan Tudyk's Joker oh, to yes. be a little bit like, like sexist and just awful. Wrong. Wrong. But yeah. then again, such a great take on it that yeah. still feels very true while still centered around a great performance by Kaylee Kuroko. But all of those fi- fi- uh, factors had to come from somewhere and yes. handled any differently, the character would not be as big or as influential as she is today. I could not agree more. So Arlene Sorkin, legend, I, I will love you forever. Paul Dini, thank you for giving us this great character. And I know not everyone loves her. If you don't love her, Tell us about who you do love great, but I'm a Harley Quinn fan and episodes like this are the reason. Just such charm to the new character that has become a real legend and it's because of this that we get to be thankful that she's around. Wonderful. So, Adam Ray, our own little mayhem meister, let's tell the entire city of Gotham and the world where else they might be able to read your work or hear your dulcet tone. I have a great many slices of content scattered about the interwebs. Look far and fast and you will find some stuff. For DC Comics flavoured things, look no further than Dark Knight News, where I review multiple titles a month. Both Catwoman and Suicide Squad are in excellent spots right now. Quite a few Suicide Squad um, series at the moment, aren't there? Yeah, there's there's, uh, the main run as well as a couple of mini-series. Get Joker's been very heavily delayed, but I'm still waiting on part three for that. But there's still a lot of weeks, I think. There's still a good couple of bits here and there. But so for my one true love, PC and tabletop gaming, look no further than our Pride and Joy FantasticUniverses.com, where I share my two cents on uh, card gaming goodness alongside a dear friend, as well as uh, gadget gaming sub tips and uh, reviews for off the wall amazing animated films that I took to see a dear friend to look out for that very soon. For Dungeons and Dragons and TTRPG flavored goodness, as well as Fantastic Universes, look to the Apotheosis Studios blog where I write monsters, modules, magic items, and more to level up your TTRPG experience. And for the RuneTerraCCG.com for news and deck guides on the League of Legends card game. Follow me on Twitter at IsItTinkra. And for your listening pleasure, you can find me here on I Am the Knight and on my own show. The Hostile Takeover on the Fantastic Universes Podcast Network, where I and a dear friend discuss PC, console, tabletop, gaming, goodness, and all things in between, with a regular segment about Dungeons and Dragons and another regular segment about TCGs. Wonderful, and do check all that stuff out. Fantastic Universes is there for gamers, comics fans, movie fans, and everything in between. Just type Fantastic Universes into your search engine of choice and type Steve J. Ray into your search engine of choice for my news, reviews, features, and interviews across. Fantastic Universes, EC Comics News, Dark Knight News, and CBR. This show, I Am The Knight, is one of many on the DC Comics News Podcast Network alongside the DC Comics News Podcast itself, episode 150, coming your way 
very soon. Harley Quinn, the Mad Love podcast, the Spinner Rack, and so much more yummy goodness for your ears. And um, please do check all that stuff out across Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, everywhere else, anywhere else you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, we are there for your listening pleasure. And to talk to me, just type at E-L-S-T-E-E-V-O into Twitter and I will be there to talk all things nerdy. But until you do, Adam Ray is the night. Together we are the night and this has been the I Am The Night podcast. Thank you for listening, and until next time, read more comics. Watch more Batman.